You are listening to the News Project in studio. Brought to you by GNAT TV. Hello and welcome to another edition of GNAT TV's In Depth series. I am Andrew McKeever, the news director of GNAT TV's News Project. Pleasure to have you with us today on Tuesday, July 25th. We're up here at the neighborhood uh, neighborhood connections uh, in Londonderry, and uh, this this place a week or so ago was one of the four resource centers that the state set up, and it was a buzzing beehive of activity. We were up here for a little while, uh, checking things out, seeing how things were going in the in the wake of the flood. Uh, so we're back here today to kind of uh, see how things have been going since. If uh, if that recovery is proceeding apace, and, and what are still some of the issues and concerns and needs that uh, folks up here uh, have. So with us today to uh, help uh, fill us in on all of that, we're really pleased to be uh, with Nicole Wingard, who is the Executive Director of uh, Neighborhood Connections. Nicole, uh, great to have you with us today. Uh, Neighborhood Connections is a nonprofit organization that uh, offers advocacy, education, and social services for the Mount Towns community and uh, helps them connect with uh, resources they need, including health, education, counseling, crisis management, and assisting individuals uh, with uh, navigating their way through the social service system. So, Nicole, good to have you with us. Uh, also, great pleasure to be joined by an old friend, Patty Comline. Uh, many of you will remember Patty from her days in the state legislature when she represented uh, Dorset. Let me see if I can remember them all now. Dorset, Danby, Landgrove, Peru. On Tabor. You got him. Oh, <laughs> awesome. You know, uh, anyway, Patty is here uh, with the Stratton Foundation where she is a project manager and uh, as many of you know, the Stratton Foundation is also a uh, nonprofit organization that uh, uh, is concerned about helping uh, in particular uh, children uh, who often are the first generation in their families to go uh, on to college. Uh, to help achieve those goals and uh, to end the cycle of generational poverty by helping at-risk children become successful adults. So, Patty, great to see you. It's good to see you, too. Uh, it's been far too long. Anyway, uh, I just thought uh, to kind of get us started here, um, Nicole, let me, let me begin with you. Uh, how have things been going up here in Londonderry uh, last week or two? Uh, what's been happening? Bring us up to speed. Been busy, <laughs> to say the least. As you said, a, a good, good imagery, a, a busy hive of of uh, activity last week, and um, I think we were so thankful to have, you know, we're just in the right location and just happen to have the right space where we could accommodate this resource center, which is fabulous, and already and also complements what we already do here, which is you know health and social services. So. Um, it was great to be able to plug in our social workers with FEMA, Red Cross, Salvation Army, the Department of Labor, and the you know, Agency of Human Services, to have everybody in one place and then have the added benefit of all of uh, you know, the supplies, bleach that we couldn't, you know, tubs of bleach that we couldn't keep on the shelf and dehumidifiers and fans and, you know, to have it all kind of available and outside for everybody. It's just been, a, it was a whirlwind <laughs> week. Um, I think now, you know, we're, we're starting to transition to the next phase. There's always those first couple of weeks that are real, feel, you know, feel like the real crisis, you know. There's that, that urgency to get everybody's, get your stuff out, get, you know, get things dry, get the mud, muck the mud out. Uh, you know, the images of volunteers just covered in mud and, you know, showing up for a hot dog that first Wednesday where we opened up and saying, you know, we've been, we've been shoveling for hours and, 
um, you know, getting drywall cut out, getting carpet pulled out, and all of that phase. That you know, that's that first couple of weeks. Now we're seeing that next phase where we need things to be dried out, right? Everybody's looking for fans. Everyone's looking for dehumidifiers, and so it's a little bit more of a we're seeing a more targeted need, um, which is welcome a welcome kind of slow down from the chaos of you know all of these this variety of needs now just being able to say okay we're in the dry out phase let's get as many dehumidifiers as we possibly can let's get as many fans box fans as we possibly can and, um, and get those into the field so yeah i think um and also getting folks registered for fema it was great to have them here last week it's great to have these you know these inroads with folks so now we're starting you know this is this is a marathon, not a sprint, you know, and that's where neighborhood connections really shines. Is we're already we're here to help folks kind of navigate these, you know, long, difficult kind of application processes, registrations, and so um, we're seeing folks now come in with those needs. You know, I need help. I can't access the FEMA webpage, or I can't get through to the Department of Labor. But you know, I don't have a job. My employees need to you know, apply for unemployment, can you help me navigate that? So that's, that's where we're, we're, tra we're starting to transition into that role, um, which is what we're here for. <laughs> and Patty, uh, what, what have you folks over at the Stratton Foundation been saying over these past couple of weeks? So um, over the past couple of weeks, I can't speak for that because I've been here a day and a half. Um, I got a call uh, about a week after the, the flood from, so let me back up. So um, in the wake of Tropical Storm Irene, uh, Al Rogers and I were brought on as project manager, managers to help with this, the Stratton footprint for recovery efforts between businesses and homes. If you remember, people's homes were literally wiped down the river, so washed away down the river. So we were called in for that, and we worked for a number of months on that recovery very successfully. And you know, 11 years later, 12 years later, I got a call from Al, and he's like, they want us back. And what do you think? I'm like, I'm in, just to bring back this incredible team. And so we arrived yesterday, and um, where we hit the road yesterday, we started with businesses because there's a lot of volunteer network now that we didn't have during um, during Irene that Stratton has, the foundation has. So we've got volunteers out going door to door, and we've got a checklist of information to gather from them and let them know what they need to be doing in the short and immediate term. And then Al and I went yesterday and went to a lot of businesses in the in the region because what we want to do is some quick recovery funds for people. But what we find, I did Irene work, I did Hurricane Harvey in Houston now, and now here. And remember Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Remember learning about that? Like your immediate needs and then you move up that ladder. And until your security needs are met, like your food and your home, it's hard to think towards long-term recovery. So by providing some immediate um, money to people, they can free up some headspace so they can start thinking long-term. And so that's what we're doing now. And we had a meeting today uh, to coordinate efforts to figure out what we're doing yeah. and see where we can augment each other and, and help make money go further or most effectively. Yeah. So what are the main priorities uh, that folks need right now? Is it is it is it you know, is it sort of help getting their houses dug out, or is it, uh, you know, other supplies or equipment? How, how can people who might be watching this yeah. uh, help out in some way if they yeah. want to? Um, you know, I think that, like I said, we are kind of transitioning. I think those first couple of weeks, and we were talking about what was different from, you know, what was different from Irene, and, you know, has this, has the effort been, you know, 
the, the, the response been different this time around, and I was actually a social worker here at Neighborhood Connections a lifetime ago during Irene. I remember riding my bike down to the plaza to see if we had been, uh, we had been flooded um, then. So, uh, and I think it's, it's the coordination has been just incredible. Um, you know, it's really been, that's been the big difference. And I, you know, for volunteers especially, you know, it was the same response. It, the, the response from the community was the same. How can I help? I want I'm here. You know, I can, you know, I have two hands. I can, I can, you know, I can shovel. I can, you know, carry things out. I can cut drive off. So I think that response was the same. But the coordination of that, you know, how uh, those volunteers are targeted towards different projects and organized is just phenomenal this time around. Um, Martha Dale, she's a select woman um, on the Monetary Select Board, and um, she has just been just a, you know, an incredible force <laughs> in this recovery and has helped us all kind of, you know, stay in our lane. You're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this, and then we can all kind of, you know, collaborate. So I think now, the, you know, what volunteers are still saying, can I help, can I help, and I think that there is, you know, there will be another couple of weeks of, you know, folks were, you know, a volunteer that might not necessarily have an expertise, you're not an electrician, you don't have an excavator, you know, you know, you're not a construction worker. I think there will be still projects where folks need some of that help, but it is relatively short-lived. You know, it's that first month or so, and then, you know, what we're seeing now is really a need for funding to move into things like, you know, we have driveway repairs that are, you know, repairs, expenses that are not going to be covered by FEMA. That's what we're really seeing and we're trying to attack in the, the immediate. And, you know, those are, those are large financial requests. You know, a driveway to get to somebody's house, um, you know, it's going to cost $13,000 to repair that driveway. You know, we can't, we can't partially fund that, right? You know, our flood recovery money comes in and we need to fix the whole driveway. <laughs> we need yeah, to do it yeah. right. So, you know, that's a big request that's going to come in. It's going to go out. We've had, you know, in this first week, um, we've had $45,000 in financial requests. And all of those things are for things like driveway repair, emergency housing, um, you know, some kind of, some mold and flood mitigation things, um, you know, cars, I mean, anything that's kind of, will be not necessarily covered by FEMA. It's, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's tricky. FEMA, it's not, it's not a straight answer. What does FEMA cover? Well, the answer is it depends. You know, it's all, it's particular to every situation. So we're wading through and kind of untangling. But I think right now, if folks have the means, you know, financial donations are going to be, are what we're focused on right now, because that's going to be, that's going to be what we need for the long haul um, to help people kind of repair and get back. We were, we were reminded, all, so many memories are coming back from Irene, and it was 18-wheelers coming in with dog food and water. <laughs> and MREs, MREs. I think they even, uh, they, yes. it's like the, it's like the fruit cake at Christmas. They uh. just keep recycling it. These MREs are probably like 20 years old. Like, we don't need any more dog food. Thank you very much, you know, Massachusetts. But it's really the money. That's exactly it's when you so ask well the question. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely is. It's so but, well but the money is where it can be directed directed best and for longer term needs most yeah. definitely and we're going and our footprints are a little different mm -hmm. well mostly the same but then there are certain areas that um, neighborhood connections covers that Stratton Foundation doesn't and we have Manchester area you know Manchester Dorset we're on our way after this meeting um, after this interview to go to Manchester because there's that one street it's flooded all the time Green Green Mountain 
It's right here. Green Mountain Estates, we're yes. Road, yeah. And 40 houses, I think, are there yeah. that were impacted. So, you know, we're going to go over there and assess what, what we can do. And again, it's just some quick turnaround of, of money, checks we can get. So folks could go to both of your websites, I guess, and find information yeah. on how they might you know, help out financially if Yeah, absolutely. If was yeah, Stratton Foundation, you know, that organ, and uh, maybe Connections ETA or, yeah, absolutely. And we're constantly, you know, this, I always say this recovery has lived on, lived on social media, right? That's where, that's where we're all, you know, consuming all of our information, and that's how volunteers are being directed to different projects, and, you know, it's just the Facebook form. So, you know, you can always go onto a Facebook form, and you can find all kinds of places to donate, direct GoFundMes, or, you know, organizations like Strat Foundation and Paper Connections. So, um, there's a lot of options. You know, we get a lot of great questions, people kind of dropping in saying, I want to donate, where can I donate? And you can say, well, you have all these options. This is, this is what we'll do with the money, this is what this person will do with the money, and, you know, it's really been, um, we really work hard to complement each other and to work, you know, this collaboration is so important because we all have the same goal. And, you know, us, we pulling our resources, you know, Strat Foundation, you ever connect sitting down together and working, like, we will more effectively be able to get that, those Augmented. funds to the people yeah. that need it. And so, um, and also those supplemental services, you know, give that quick cash now, be able to, you know, stabilize and then, Come sit down. Let us help you, you know, navigate through those applications and what documents do you need to get together. Let's come sit down in your living room and let's figure out what we need, you know, what our next steps are. And the mental health, you know, kind of component to this, which a lot of people don't think about, but it's devastating to lose all your things. And you know, that's a big piece of the pie is just having someone be able to sit down and say, "How are you? Are you okay? How can we, you know, what can we do to kind of help you process what's happened and how we get to the next step?" And so. Um, yeah, all those all those pieces. The old adage: we're we're stronger together. It's yeah. still true. true. <laughs> and people yeah. forget; they kind of move on. Just the general public moves on, and this was kind of targeted in areas. And if you're in, you know, yeah. you're in certain areas of the state, you you don't think Burlington, nothing happened, yeah. and everybody moves on with their lives. And these people don't. And I have even family members that have been impacted, and I can say, the recovered for for some people, for older people, they don't recover. So. Um, these kind of resources are so important. The mental health and the, just the long-term support is really important. I wanted to follow up a little bit on, on something uh, you were both saying there, you know, kind of the comparison between the Irene experience and, and this one. Uh, I, I found myself wondering uh, if we learned any lessons from Irene uh, 12 years or so ago. We had a long conversation about this, didn't we? About, we did. Yeah, some areas I will say, like Jamaica, uh, if you're talking about infrastructure, they built bridges that didn't come down in the flood. And they said, we went we went down there to the market. I forget the name of the Jamaica. Yes, I know, yeah. and I need to name the name of it. Anyway, uh, provisions. Provisions, something yeah. provisions. But we went there, um, just, we start doing talk, you know, do you know any, any members? So we go to a lot of the general stores because they're clued into the community. But they talked about, no, the work that was done post-Irene made it so that they, you know, they were pretty much okay with, with a few exceptions there with bridges. But what you're talking about, you know, furnaces, boilers, like, why are we putting them back in the basement? I hear a lot about heat pumps. We should be replacing with heat pumps. We want to do that spray anyway. Bomb. So, you know, spray bomb. Why are we, you know, we should be doing these. It may be a little more expensive, but we're building in resilience for that if there is, and there probably will be a next time for a lot of these places. And, yeah. and I know the state's doing a lot of talking about that, but people tend to be reacting. Yeah, yeah. we were just having this conversation. The next, I was here for the first set of round of conversation post-Irene, I feel like. You know, it was really 
the focus was Vermont strong, you know, we are Vermont strong, let's build back, build back, build back, but I didn't feel like there was a lot of conversation about the things we were talking about today, which was, you know, but what about your building? Where, where are your mechanicals? Are they still in the basement? Yeah. Did we put them back? And, you know, a lot of these buildings on Main Street are older buildings. So does it make sense to spray foam those? Does it, you know, can we install heat pumps? A couple of years ago, that would have been a different discussion than it is now. So, you know, we're really looking at partnering with folks like SEVCA and saying, okay, you have a weatherization program. Now let's see if we can leverage these, you know, this program and these funds to get these buildings in a better spot so that they are one more, you know, efficient, <laughs> which is always a good thing, um, you know, environmentally speaking. But then also they'll be more resilient. You know, when, not if, but when they flood again, you know, if we're putting them back in, the, I mean, you're putting buildings back in the flood zone. That's the reality. So how do we make that less devastating the next time until we can, you know, get a longer term plan, which may include, you know getting some of these buildings above flood level, like the old post office down in, in Londonderry. It's a perfect case study, right? It was the one building that was raised above flood level. It's the one building that didn't flood. It worked. Right? <laughs> it worked. Look at that. Just think so, of slogan, build back better, build back stronger. Yeah. That's what we could be doing, right? I think there'll be different discussions this time. I think there's the short-term goals of kind of get folks back on their feet, get those businesses back up and running. That's the short-term. That's the now. But I think that the mid-term and long-term goals, I think those discussions feel different. And I think they will be different as we move forward. They have to be. We just did this. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I heard uh, with FEMA's policy uh, the first couple of days after the, after the initial flood uh, was that uh, their approach is to get money out, uh, get it out the door, and rebuild the same way. I think, I think there's a misconception of what FEMA, you know, I think that uh, folks think, well, FEMA's here, oh, everything's going to be great. And, and FEMA is an incredible resource to these communities, you know, make no mistake. But I think the misconception that FEMA can do so much more than what, what it, it's capable of. I mean, their goal is to get folks um, safe and sanitary. You know, they want to make sure that they can get you back into your house and say they're not going to rebuild everything. They can't replace everything that was destroyed. And, you know, even with FEMA, it's just this incredible aid that can kind of come in. And again, like safety and, and sanitation, that is, those are two big check checks, you know, uh, you know, really important. But the idea that they can come in and fix this devastation is, is just, you know, um, it's putting a little too much weight on, on one organization that really takes you know, a village um, to, you know, rebuild what was. And I think FEMA's not necessarily the, the place that you want to say, well, we need you to make this a more resilient building. That's, that's not their role, you know. The role is the community. It's for us to kind of stand up and say, okay, here's our resources. How yeah, do we, partner. How do we partner? Right yeah, how do we partner? I mean, that's what we were, you know, talking about today. How do we pull, this is my pot of resources, this is your pot of resources. How do we, you can put this in now, then the state resources will come in, let's, you know, follow up a month from now, let's really start to have some conversations about how we can, maybe it costs a little bit more, but maybe we can build this back a little stronger. And I think that's, that's our job, you know, to have that um, discussion and mm -hmm. push that narrative and dialogue so that, you know, it is a center, it's not just, okay, we'll do this again, see in 10 years. <laughs> nobody, want, nobody wants that. 100 year flood every 10 years. Uh, are you getting any sense um, that uh, some of the business owners in particular I'm thinking about at this point, uh, you know, having gone through 
a flooding catastrophe twice in 12 years now are thinking to themselves, do I want to go back and rebuild a third time? You described a case study that's going on right now here in town where somebody was like thinking that they weren't going to come back and then third generation, right? And the community really pitched in there for them and they're coming back. And so, and there's limited resources, right, for businesses. FEMA does not help businesses. Um, you know, we're all going to give a little bit. Uh, the state's going to give a little bit and then the rest we have to hope. I was just on a call with uh, Peter Welch's office and he wants to hear from businesses around the state because he's going to try and he wants to bring those stories at the federal level and hopefully there'll be more money for businesses but it's it's tough They're, the only offer they really have is for loans and it's really tough to think about taking on more debt in the situation now. well and also remember that we're looking at we're thinking of this as just an isolated you know this this one flood event but top of COVID. you had irene <laughs> flood COVID, COVID. Yeah. I mean, it mm -hmm. is really just a disastrous decade <laughs> for small businesses. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. you know, even with, and like you said, like the idea of taking, you know, these small businesses taking on more debt. I mean, as, as gracious as it is, oh, 2%, you know, you know, these low interest rates, but it's like, it doesn't matter. And I mean, if they can qualify for it. Yeah, and if they can yeah. qualify for it, it's just, um, it's really tough. I think our local businesses will, will have a really, they'll have some hard discussions. And, and I assume flood insurance is not really an option because that must be incredibly expensive. Yeah. I, a couple of businesses had, you know, flood insurance, which, you know, if you can afford it, it's smart, obviously, and you know it's going to flood at some point, but it's, it's, it's expensive. Mm -hmm. The other thing I was wondering about is, is uh, the role of broadband connectivity. I mean, we heard an awful lot about that, particularly in the beginning of the pandemic, because the way people were able to stay connected. Um, is the level of broadband uh, up here in the mountain towns was it has been adequate to, to meet the need for yeah. communication and keeping people in touch and informed about what's going on in one place or another? Or I, mean, I would say here in Londonderry, yes, that hasn't really been a problem in Londonderry. I think it's in the smaller towns as you get out. Um, but they, there's been a big push these last few years to really get you know broadband service out. Um, I'd say here in Londonderry, it certainly hasn't been a problem, but. Cell service is a little sketchy here. This could be kind of sketchy just down. about everywhere sometimes, <laughs> seems like to me, for reasons I'm never clear about. But anyway, um, so I, I just was wondering, um, the state has been a helpful partner, you were saying, Patty, uh, that it's been able to kind of get connected so to people. I feel fortunate that I, I now work in Montpelier, and so I know a lot of people, and they'll connect in, and I've got everybody's cell phone number, and people are quick quick text response, you're probably finding the same thing. Yeah. These people were, I mean, they're, again, post-COVID, what they had to deal with with economic recovery funds and grants and standing that up. MVP loans. <clears throat> oh my God, those applications for recovery. Yeah, and uh, Joan jo Wilson, if you ever work with her, oh my gosh. And so they're right back at it now, right? And it's 24-7 for them, unbelievable. And uh, so with the quick responders, I gotta say, they're talking about this $20 million gap grant for businesses. Uh, I. I don't think it's going to be a lot of money for people. I think there's an expectation that's a lot of money, but going out around, it's not it's not recovery money. It's meant to be a gap, and uh, hopefully there'll be more money for them. So while the state is doing the best it can do, it's such massive need we have out there between the businesses and the homes um, that it's not enough. Another thing I was just wondering about: uh, how, how has this impacted uh, you know the children and the kids? Uh, I mean, it's not. A, School's out for summer, yeah. so I guess is that 
one part, but uh, uh, you know, a lot of our focus obviously has been around the businesses and, and homes and stuff, but uh, have you heard anything about how, how kids are processing this and how they're dealing with it? Because their lives were also kind of upended too, weren't they? I know my kids have been talking about floods an awful lot. <laughs> We're watching them play with their ponies and, you know, they're talking about, oh, what's over here? Well, this is the flood. This is where the flood, this is where the water's going to go. And you think about a child, like, you know, processing this information. They were with us in the, in the car when we came up here to see if mommy's office was flooded. And, you know, what does that mean for, you know, Tammy's house where we go to get breakfast? And, you know, is Tammy's house flooded? Uh, I mean, Tammy's house, it's Mike and Tammy's, but they call it Tammy's house. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I think that kids have a different, you know, understanding. They process things a lot differently than we do. We haven't had a lot of, I think we've only had a couple of families that we're working with individually for for things. But yeah, I mean, I think it comes back to just having those available resources to make sure you're meeting everybody's needs in the family, both you know, adults and, and children, and making sure that you have the appropriate uh, you know, resources. And semi-related to that would be housing, right? There was a housing crisis before this happened. Oh. And I mean, an incredible, look at Representative yeah. Paella, right? An incredible challenge to find housing, and now, and kids displaced, families displaced, individuals, and now with this, we're gonna, I don't, I don't know where people are going to find their short-term housing. Now Stratton Resort's been really helpful in, yeah. in finding some short-term situations for people. Hopefully, that's enough to get people into. And then this, the workforce shortage. So, are you going to get the contractors that you need? That's your husband, right? And he was going to be the hardest. That is, you know, right now we need, we need. You know, road crews. We need excavators. We need folks that can repair. I mean, I think the roads and driveways are. You know, we're struggling now. I mean, we've had a few that have, you know folks that have really stepped up and are doing what they can. But you know, like you said, that next level we need, we need professional services now and, and for mold mitigation and for you know contracting. Okay, my 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 basement surf pro came and they cleaned out my you know. Um, mitigated for mold and stripped everything down, but now I need, I need somebody to put it back together. That's going to be a while. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, so, yeah, that'll be the next, yeah. the next what, step. What impacted me was, so, living in Berlin, in Montpelier now and being downtown, and I don't know if you've probably seen the videos of it, and, and people standing in front of their, and when I say a mountain of debris, I'm not exaggerating, a mountain of debris that they've just ripped out, like looking like you described people exhausted, they're their overriding concern is about making sure that their staff continues to get paid and that they don't lose them. Mm -hmm. So the shortage of workforce is so traumatic post-COVID that that's what they're saying. They're standing in front of this wreck of a business and like, I need to make sure I don't lose, lose my workers, which says what that challenge has been for them through this time. It just drove that home to me. Um, and so there's, you know, UI for your employees. There's disaster unemployment assistance. So so owners of businesses usually wouldn't qualify for unemployment insurance, but they will qualify for disaster unemployment assistance. They do get that. That's important for business owners to know. So that's a resource. But, you know, it's again, it's the workforce. It's finding the labor that's going to be there to rebuild and, and do what they need to to mm -hmm. get back on their feet. And they're very focused on, I talking to some of the business here in town in Londonderry, on opening up again. i got to get open fast. For every week, we have a lot of applications for revenue loss that we can't cover. Um, I think the GAP program the state has will not cover for revenue loss, and that a lot of people are talking about that, getting back open and going as soon as possible. Wow. Well, we're going to have to leave it there for today, but uh, <laughs> it sounds like uh, things are well underway, as, as 
things are, are working as rapidly as possible, and uh, there's definitely hope that uh, you know eventually, given time. But I guess that's the critical factor, right? As, as awful as these, these events are, it's, it's, you know, you really see the strength of our communities in these scenarios and these situations. It's, you know, pretty remarkable to see the response from our community members, businesses, donors. I mean, and, and this time around, I feel like because this was national news, out of state, you know, donations. Yeah. We've got so many donations and things from, you know, and calls and, you know, concerns and prayers from, from folks out of state saying, oh, we saw this on the Philadelphia News. It's like, you saw downtown Londonderry on the Philadelphia News? You know, it's just, it's wild to see this response. But like I said, just, I think you don't really, you don't really know the strength of your communities until you're put in these situations and you're forced to kind of act. And, you know, I think our mountain towns, you know, pass with flying colors, just an incredible group, incredible, special place. Okay, well, again, thank, thank you uh, both. Uh, Nicole Wenger, the Executive Director of Neighborhood Connections, Patty Conline, Project Manager for Stratton Foundation. Uh, thank you both very much for making the time for this conversation to bring us up to speed on what's been happening up here. Uh, thank you. And thanks to all of you who have been with us today. Hope you found the program interesting. We'll see you again the next time. Meanwhile, take care. Be safe. Thank you for listening local. For more local content, visit GNAT.tv.